Ion 2020 episode 202. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, that source that you come to Monday through Friday for the news, the events, the things that go on in the 2020 election. Thank you again for joining me for another day in the life of this election and all the stuff that's going on. This is your Friday show, and if you hear any stuff in the background, I do apologize. As you know, if you've listened to the show for a long time, I do sometimes get into a pickle where I cannot record my show uh, in the nice silence and the quiet of the home or in the silence and quiet of a car that's parked because I just don't have time today so I had to do this show uh, I'm just recording it while I'm driving so I appreciate you bearing with any of the uh, background noise and things that are going on but uh, you know what I'm going to go ahead and I got some good information for you today and I'm going to go ahead and uh, share that with you so that's what I'm going to do Um, I'm a working man and I'm also a podcaster and sometimes that conflicts and that's happening today. I've uh, been working my butt off. I was going to stay the night at a hotel up in uh, North Carolina, north of Charlotte. Typically, if I'm going to be staying, if I'm going to go on way north of Charlotte, I'll usually uh, stay the night at a hotel. And the reason why is because it's just too far to drive back home, back down to uh, where I live in South Carolina. So I'll just usually go get a hotel or whatever. But I was thinking to myself, I got an appointment at 9.30 in the morning with another customer that's going to be on the south side of Charlotte. So between Charlotte and and Columbia, South Carolina, I got an appointment down there. And I'm thinking to myself, Charlotte traffic from about 7 o'clock until 9.30, 10 o'clock is pretty brutal. And I would have to drive directly through all that in order to in order to um get to that appointment at 9 30 in the morning so i was like man i'm just gonna go ahead and just drive home tonight and just sleep in my own bed wake up in the morning not have to deal with all that crazy traffic at, between my between charlotte and that appointment because i'll just be driving straight up 77 that's interstate 77 just going straight up to rock hill south carolina and uh, from there, I'd be good to go, you know? So that's what I decided to do. But it put me in the predicament that usually I bring all my recording equipment and stuff with me uh, to the hotel. And I'll set up in the hotel, get a bunch of pillows and put those around me so I don't have a lot of echo in and stuff. And then I'll do my recording of the show. And I might even do uh, some extra recording because I'd actually do another podcast as well called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. And uh, sometimes I'll do that recording as well that night go out to eat some dinner and then come back and uh, watch some tv drink a few beers and go to bed that's pretty much what i do if i'm going to stay at the hotel and uh yeah really exciting life isn't it that's the life of a uh of a married guy not the bachelor the bachelor will be out partying all night hanging out you know eating some great food on the company's dime and then and then uh passing out and then waking up early in the morning go out and work 
that's what I would have done back in the day. But today I'm a married man and all that. So, uh, I, I live a pretty, pretty, uh, low key life in that sense. But anyway, so that's what I would have normally done, but I just don't have it. I just don't have the ability to do that. So you just got to deal with the, uh, the background noise. So appreciate you doing that. But this is your source. You know, it's ION 2020 guys, your source for all the stuff that's going on in the 2020 elections. And as you guys know, it is still all that you're hearing about anything is the Trump impeachment process and all that. Nancy Pelosi's saying, oh, I don't want to impeach the president, but I have to. I love my constitution so much and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's starting to come out. I've heard this on a couple different podcasts, and these are people that I trust, like Ron Paul's Liberty Report and all. And uh, they're kind of skeptical of the fact that these whistleblowers are... On that show, they were saying that they're just kind of skeptical of the fact that these whistleblowers are remaining anonymous, but I don't think that... I'm not skeptical of them remaining anonymous at all. There's two supposed whistleblowers, and they're wanting to remain anonymous. That's fine to me. I don't... I I think that if I was a whistleblower, I'd want to remain anonymous as well. Um, I'm not going to defend... I'm not going to criticize them for that. But it is starting to come out. It sounds like to me that the first whistleblower is actually that came out right and that first whistleblower heard the information from the supposed second whistleblower so and i don't even know if they'd consider themselves they, they would consider them whistleblowers and they have whistleblower protection all that but it does seem to me i'm starting to get skeptical of it in the sense that it seems to me that it's a hit piece on uh donald trump and all that and maybe i'm just believing the hype too i don't know I'm skeptical on all sides. I'm skeptical of the Republicans and the Democrats. I do feel like the Republicans are going to defend themselves and the Democrats are going to defend themselves. And it's just a lot of partisanship going on. That's how I felt about it from the beginning. That's the same thing I've been saying from the beginning as well. Um, But if the second whistleblower is just the source of the first whistleblower's information, because the first whistleblower is hearsay information that person heard through somebody that was a trusted source that there was the whole idea that um there was a quid pro pro quo saying that donald trump was going to withhold money from ukraine based upon the fact that unless they um investigated the bidens right and there was no quid pro quo within that specific conversation but the first whistleblower heard that and uh, that's what, I mean, to me, it's just, there's no quid pro quo. And the first whistleblower heard it from the second whistleblower, apparently. That's what they're saying. Um, so that makes it so that there's just two people out there that are saying the same information. There's not like two sources. There's not one source and then the other source can go ahead and verify what the second source said. Like, there's nothing like that. It's just one source specifically. And that's the second whistleblower, if that's the case. And all that whistleblower is doing is talking about what he heard, I guess, on this specific conversation, which wasn't really a quid pro quo anyway. Now, I am sort of convinced that there is some stuff that happened before and after. I mean, just the way that that conversation went down on the phone when I read it, it does seem like there was some before and after conversations going on with Rudy Giuliani and a few other people within the administration. So we'll see how that stuff comes out. But like I said in the past, is this impeach? Is this like an impeachable offense? Are these things that can be considered considered high crimes and misdemeanors? I'm not sure, but he's not going to get a fair a fair shake 
in Congress by any means. So um, defend them all you want to, because the fact is, this is a partisan thing, and there's no way for a Democrat to get a fair shake or a Republican to get a fair shake in anything up in Washington, D.C., because the Democrats are going to defend each other, and they're going to circle their wagons and vice versa. So, um, but that is not what I want to talk about today, guys. Not at all. But you just got my little rundown. That's just a little brief information of some new information I heard about this whole impeachment inquiry. So, today I get an email from the Tulsi Gabbard campaign. Tulsi Gabbard, you know her, you love her, right? She is the one that, when she announced, she says, I want to put the war issue and non-intervention and the getting out of the wars, I want to make that my number one priority on the debate stage, and that's what I'm going to run my campaign on. Now, all the libertarians, we got really excited about it. I remember I posted it on Facebook, oh yeah, she's going to be the anti-war candidate, that's great, da-da-da-da. Um, since then, though, she's obviously come out with the true colors of the idea that she is, you know, very much a Bernie Sanders-type social social democratic-type person and all that, which we'll forgive her for that stuff. She does want to make the anti-war issue uh, the center point of her campaign. She is trying to sound an appeal to libertarian-leaning people. I hear the way that she tries to spin stuff. It just sounds like she's trying to be, like, you know somebody that libertarians can listen to and say, yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, freedom and talking about freedom and liberty and all this stuff, right? Like she's using key words that you and I would probably love to hear. But she still believes in like Medicare for all. She still believes in all that social, you know, the democratic socialist stuff that Bernie Sanders does because she's a Bernie Sanders supporter, right? She supported him in 2016. She loves what she heard. But she is uh, the anti-war candidate, so that's great. So anyway, that's who Tulsi Gabbard is. That's what she's been on the debate stage a couple of times. She was able to take a few jabs at Kamala Harris. She did a pretty good job. She's gets two percent of the polls, which is good. Uh, none of the other crappy candidates that are just kind of saying the same things as everybody else. Those smaller candidates, they couldn't get on the stage. But there's only twelve of them on the stage on Tuesday. Tulsi Gabbard though sends an email saying that she is considering boycotting the debates. So she worked pretty hard to get those 130 individual campaign donations. She worked pretty hard to um, get up to 2%, and then she's saying she's going to boycott the debates because she feels like it is rigged in favor of who the DNC wants on that stage. It's rigged so that the people can't choose who the Democratic nominee is going to be, that they are making it so that these random polling companies are the ones that are getting to choose basically in some way who is going to be on the debate stage and who isn't. And I agree. The Democratic, but the Democratic National Committee, they can kind of do what they want to. It's just showing the corruption within the system as it is in the first place, right? Um, In the nomination process in the first place. But originally, I mean, the people didn't really vote. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I've heard this that like, before like the 1970s I think it was or maybe even earlier than that um, maybe it was the 1870s I can't remember correct me I mean you could email me and tell me if you know this for sure but uh, you could do that ray at iandtheempire.com but supposedly at some point it's only recently that the people actually voted for who the 
nominee was going to be anyway. Like, so, like this whole primary system that we have is a relatively new thing. I think I think it was actually early 1900s when this started. Um, so they could rig it however they want to. That just lets you and me know that hey, these damn parties are corrupt and we need to get rid of them in the first place. The two-party system is the problem, and uh, they're going to rig it for whoever they want to, and so forth. And she did mention in 2016 it was rigged for Hillary Clinton, and now it's being rigged for those people that are going to be on the debate stage, and she's not going to have a part of it. And she said she's going to make a decision in the next couple of days whether she's going to boycott the um, boycott the the debate or not. And I was just thinking to myself, and I actually responded to the email, I'm sure nobody's reading it or whatever, but I said, listen, boycott on stage then. Like, you're going to have 50,000 people watching, I'm just kidding, there's way more more than 50,000 people that watch the debates, but you're going to have 50,000 people watching CNN that night, and uh, you're going to have a a good little, you know, a a good little crowd of people that are going to be able to listen to you or however many people it is, it's probably like 5 or 10 million people that actually watch the debates, I think, right? So you're going to have like 5 million people that are going to be listening to you. You can make a ruckus on that debate stage about the system and the processes and all that stuff, right? And the way that this has been manipulated, and it's been manipulated in the past with Bernie Sanders, and now it's being manipulated again, and you're getting a false choice on who you're going to choose, and the, the polling companies are the ones that really you know, decide because they're the ones that, the way that they frame questions and ask questions and so forth, like, you could really put up a stink over this on the debate stage with, like, 5 to 10 million people watching. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? You have a minute in the opening, you have a minute in the closing, you might get two and a half minutes in between. But you're going to have at least four or five minutes. I mean, if you're Ron Paul, you're going to get two and a half minutes. But you're going to have at least two and a half to three minutes to make that case, getting on and off the stage. And you could run over your time if you want to, like Kamala Harris does, and then really make us think about it. You can make that the center point of the debate, of the way that it's been rigged, and then throw in some anti-war stuff too. Oh man, you would make a ruckus and the people would cheer if you did that. So I sent in a quick email just kind of saying that I think you should do it on stage. If you're going to boycott it, do it on stage so you can have that. You know, like, you're not going to get, except for a few media outlets are going to actually listen to you if you say, I'm boycotting it and this is why. You send out your press release and then all of a sudden you get, like, four or five. You know, you're going to get onto the CNN. You're going to get onto MSNBC. You're going to get onto Fox News. You're going to get onto maybe several shows on on those networks but you're not going to get the huge amount of publicity that you would if you just do it on stage you know so hopefully she does I think that's going to be interesting if she does take my advice as the host of Ion 2020 I mean she should be taking my advice I know this stuff but uh anyway I that that's that's the big news of the day not everyone knows that news unless I guess if you supported her campaign, which I sent a dollar. That's the only time I've ever supported a uh, Democrat. And I sent a stinking dollar to her campaign just to be, just to get her on the debate stages originally, I guess, which obviously she would have gotten the debate stage anyway without me. But <clears throat> I think a lot of, de- or a lot of uh, libertarians ended up sending those dollars just so that you could have that anti-war voice. And she did a good job on that on the first debate. The second debate, not so much. She tried to 
go towards like the social issues and things like that um and kind of like was a me too of everybody else so but it'll be interesting to see what she does i'll let you guys know on monday or tuesday i think that's when she's going to be announcing over the weekend so i'll let you guys probably know on monday how that is but hey you guys enjoy your friday okay enjoy the rest of your friday have a great weekend i got some good football games coming up florida that's the team that i root for florida gators are playing lsu and uh, it's going to be a a meeting of the top fives and last week they beat auburn so i'm kind of excited to see them whoop up on some lsu tigers and uh that's what i'll be doing this weekend and also it is my birthday weekend so hopefully i'll be having some very good dinner uh tonight as well with my family so anyway you guys have a great weekend and uh if you haven't done it already subscribe to the show if you like what you hear if you haven't given me a five-star rating or review yet hopefully you can do that now as well and then uh, email me ray at iontheempire.com you can find me at iontheempire.com and also on facebook and twitter with that same uh, i on the empire status as well and then you come back on monday and we're in the middle of a debate week so you'll have clear vision for 2020 Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year, but... Even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First year in sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.